Welcome to this week's edition of The Walkthrough, where we check off every single week's most trending topics as it relates to your industry, real estate. I'm Byron Lazine, your co-host, along with Eric Simon, the broke agent. Coming back, he is a staple on The Walkthrough. He, he is the Woody Page of The Walkthrough, the king of Philadelphia, the now sponsor of the Philadelphia Eagles, the official real estate sponsor uh, of the Philadelphia cut it. They, they, Eagles. They, you got to stop. They, they didn't I, do the I, deal. I didn't do the deal. No, they didn't do the deal. They didn't do the deal. They didn't get enough sponsors. So, Well, I'm not going to cut it. We'll, we'll just we'll just say you didn't do the deal. <laughs> I did the deal. <laughs> they didn't do the deal. It's We're like, not going to cut that. That'd, that'd be insane. They um, went through his Twitter from like 10 Tom, years ago and they pulled Tom out. Tom Tool wanted to do the deal. I We signed. They didn't. Tom Tool, the king of Philadelphia. There you go. Oh, almost, <laughs> almost the official sponsor of the Philadelphia Eagles, but still a fan of the Eagles. Yeah. Right. We also have, for the first time on the walkthrough, the man himself, Jason Cassidy, the co-founder or founder, I guess founder of Refer. How do we go? How do we say that? Co-founder. Co-founder of yeah. Refer. Yep. Uh, also, Jason... Uh, that's it. I, I can't announce any of your big news coming up, right? You know, you used to be used to be a sponsor of the Padres, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, a kind of a, a group buy-in thing, but they we lost the naming rights to that last year. But yes, so for about three years, we were a, a Padres Premier Club sponsor. That's cool. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Jason. Long overdue your appearance. Let's get right into the first topic: commission watchdog. No relationship between commissions and. Home prices. The Consumer Federation of America says a lack of discounts for more expensive homes shows the structure of agent compensation is both inequitable and inefficient. Okay, so they're saying that a house that sells at $100,000 and there's, let's say, a 6% commission on that, the house that sells at a million dollars should have a lower commission. Those agents shouldn't be making more money. Uh, they're arguing, I guess, that every deal's the same. Every deal's, you know, just as hard as the next deal. Tom Tool, your thoughts on that? So Jason's definitely going to have a better perspective because the price points are different in our market. It's only three to four percent of all the homes that sell in the greater Philadelphia area are above a million, and those deals are one hundred percent harder to put together. You got a smaller buyer pool, number one. It's harder to find people. The sellers expect more marketing, which raises costs. And a lot of agents don't have the skill to negotiate those sales when you're talking about some of the intricacies involved here. And just not that many of them sell. I mean, people think there's these deals all over the place. And I think we're, we're a prime example of what most of the country is like. When you look at average sale price versus other places, we're right around that 100 index for the country. So I'd love everyone to think it's, it's the same selling a $300,000 house versus a million dollar house. When the pool of buyers is this small and people don't know how to find them, that home's not going to sell bottom line. Yeah. J Jason sells in San Diego, as you pointed out. What's the average price point there, Jason? Our average uh, single family home is a million dollars. So a million dollars. And uh, that's the average there. Here's what else the report said, Jason. I'll get your thoughts on this. Also listed several reasons that most sellers of multi-million dollar home sales don't negotiate lower commissions, including limited seller information about agent compensation as documented by consumer surveys and by research on the lack of information on rates provided by agents and firms. 
preoccupation of sellers, especially those trying to match the sale of one home with the purchase of another with sale price and timing. Uh, concern that trying to negotiate a lower commission will result in less than optimal agent service. And finally, unwillingness of most listing agents to negotiate lower commissions, about three quarters of agents in an earlier CFA survey. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think because it kind of ties into the bigger NAR lawsuit, right? That's that's happening right now. That's kind of dominating all the the new space. And like, correct, they're not they're not entirely wrong, which is weird because like theoretically, what they're saying is on a sliding scale. You know what I mean? The difference between a six hundred thousand dollar home and an eight hundred thousand dollar home is not that much different. So why is why is the eight hundred thousand dollar person making more money? Now you could say that a hundred thousand to two million, sure. Right. There's a different skill set. There's more advertising dollars. I think what they're saying, though, is even within a four to six hundred thousand, they mentioned it in the article from a four hundred to a six hundred. That's the same person. But that the, the commission's not dropping as you go up, which is a sign of the inefficient or what they're going to uh, what they're going to say is price fixing. Right. Or, or what they're accusing us Correct. of doing. Um, and so I kind of get what they're getting at. And it always goes back to me with the buyer side commission, because ultimately like the listing person, the listing agent does work a lot harder on a $2 million sale than a hundred thousand dollar sale. Cause they're getting aerial drone photos and all this type of stuff. They have to appeal to a wider uh, range, but the, the, usually the, the seller is willing to pay that. They know that they're getting a better service. They're getting more advertising, but why are we offering the same two and a half percent to the buy side. That that's kind of the tough thing. There is are, are you really on a million dollar sale offering twenty five grand to the cooperating broker to bring someone? Because all they did was probably we know that there's more to it to get the buyer, but typically they just walk the buyer in and they have the same level of work on their side, some paperwork, you know, go into the inspections that the hundred thousand buyer did. So why isn't that skewed a little bit? And that triggers to them. A, an inefficiency in what they're going to say is, is price fixing. Because I think what the other part of that is, is like the, the selling agent or the listing agent is saying, well, we have to offer two and a half percent if we want to be competitive. You know what hey, I mean? I think that that's kind of like just the atmosphere we've created. Here's what Steven Brobeck, a CFA senior fellow and the report's author said in a statement at the same commission rate, broker selling a million dollar home received 10 times the compensation of those selling the hundred thousand dollar property. That's the example we gave at the top of the uh, segment here. One would expect that commissions on expensive homes would be discounted yet. That usually is not the case for buy side commissions. In some cities, those selling high price homes pay higher commission rates. The research provides additional evidence that the structure of agent compensation is the inequitable and inefficient. Here would be my argument to that and this CFA study. Why is a pair of MJ's shoes, sneakers, pair of Jordans, $220, but I can get a pair of Kyrie Irving's for 60 bucks? Is it because I, uh, Kyrie didn't take the vaccine? Is it because that shoe fits differently? I'll tell you that I actually ordered a pair of Jordans earlier in the year during the winter, actually. And they were, they were 220 bucks and I got them and they didn't fit right. They, they actually were, were they were squeezing my foot. So I went and, uh, instead of like, you know, going back and shipping, I went to the, to the Nike store and I was just going to like get a different size. I needed like a half size bigger. Well, I get there and then I ended up trying on those, those Kyrie's and they just, it was the right size. It was, it was the uh, 10 and a half that I needed. So I bought them, you know, and they didn't have the Jordans at the store that I needed. Anyways, long story short, they're both, they're both a shoe. 
but one shoe's better than the other, right? You, you, you do. I did get the Kyrie's. I did get the lower price. So this might totally debunk so my whole argument. This kind of negates what you're talking about. But saying. most most people are walking around in Jordans. You don't see anybody walking around in, in these Kyrie's. They're, they're a workout shoe for me. But people wear the Jordans because it's a fashion statement. It's why I ordered it online. I'm like, they look cooler than these Kyrie's. They definitely look better than any of the LeBron's. It's more attracting to the eye. I feel better. Look good, feel good, play good. Deion Sanders used to always say that, right? And so there's a value that a consumer is going to place on a particular service as it relates to real estate. If this particular person can show me how they're going to walk me through the process, if they've got a network that is going to accomplish my goals more than the other people. This is a competitive environment. You can negotiate all of these commissions. There's a reason flat fees haven't worked, right? You don't know of any companies out there that have really taken over market share in this country by offering consumers a flat fee. So why hasn't the CFA, the Consumer Federation of America, gone out to consumers and asked them specifically, not a couple of like silly surveys that they referenced, but really do a deep dive with consumers. Why are you willing to pay 6% on these homes when you could go and get a service that pays you that you pay 500 bucks and just list it on the MLS for yourself? They actively are seeking that level of service. I think anecdotally, I just had this happen with a client last month is that they were very willing to pay me 3%. They didn't quite understand why they had to pay a cooperating broker 3% as well, right? That, that's where the value kind of, they're like, you do all the work. I see what you do. You're working very hard, but why are we offering this guy who their agent probably, or their client found it on Redfin anyway, or found it on Zillow anyways, we're offering them the same amount that, that you're doing. And you actually have to front the cost of all the marketing. You're actually making less than the cooperating broker. Um, they didn't quite understand that. Right. You know, that, that was a tough thing for them to swallow on the buy, thoughts on the buy side there, Tom. So I I've seen in the MLS, like this is real life that at these higher price points, there is a sliding scale. Like it's X amount on the first million, maybe Y on the next 500,000. So to say that this doesn't happen is just inaccurate. Um, I also know there's companies around here that if they get a listing below a million bucks, it's one fee and above a million bucks, they'll drop the fee. Even though they're selling the home at 950, the 950 seller kind of gets screwed a little bit. And, and that's, that's what happens. So I don't agree with their data because I've seen the exact opposite happen in the marketplace that's been in the MLS. And a lot of folks think that agents walk in, they say, you have to pay the buyer X. I've seen in a lot of cases, the listing agent takes more than the buying agent. And, you know, and, and they, they do that to offset their marketing costs. So I, I don't agree with the data just because I've, I've seen it in practice recently in the mls disclosed and it's, it's just not it's just not accurate haven't we re recently seen a bunch like a bunch of people are submitting content to me of the buy side being one percent or even one dollar yeah i've seen a lot of just one dollar commissions it, to the buy side especially like in the heat of the seller's in market, the heat but, yeah, yeah yeah not as yeah. much today but no. definitely like six months ago yeah, yeah. And, and on the inman article there's a bunch of comments that are that are talking about just that eric right. oh one look one of them's the broke agent <laughs> Doubtful. What are these commission dollars you speak of? I've never made them. That's what that's what this comment was. Exactly. No, I, I mean, and we split it that way. I mean, I, I do think that the listing side should get, you know, a bigger split. You know, you're bringing up the example, Jason, of three and three on a six percent. I would 
all day long say you're deserving of the three and a half and two and a half on the other totally. side. Totally. I think on that one, it was actually 5%, two and a half, two and a half. But like you, if I do take a six, I will do three and a half, two and a half or three, or three, two and a half. Like, I'm not saying like, just that was an anecdotal version of what I yeah. was saying. I think he was just wondering why we have to even pay anything. You know what I mean? I think because the, the alternative reality, if this NAR lawsuit takes off and goes through, is that there is no cooperating broker commission at all, or it starts to compress a lot to the point where then the buyers have to maybe hire their own console. You know what I mean? They have to pay out of pocket for a buyer representation. And, and so that maybe is getting into like the Australia model or the, the Europe model where you just pay your listing agent and the buyers pay their own agent. Um, I don't know if that was a whole nother topic, whether that's even a good thing or not, but as an agent, it's a good idea to be prepared for having multiple plans on your commission right? Because commission is negotiable. And if somebody says, well, you know, everybody's walking in the door saying 5%, do you have any other options for me? I've been, I've been, you know, confronted with that question. Yes, I do. I have my 6% plan, my 7% plan and my 8% plan. Which one would you like to hear about first? <laughs> well, what do you mean? I, I was talking more about the 3% or the 4% plan. <laughs> plan. Well, I have my five. I offered you that first, but I love to talk about my six, seven and eight percent plan. Let's get into the eight and, and let's talk about it and break it down and show them what you'll do at that higher, higher price point. By the way, sometimes when you give the higher price point first, hey, I have an eight percent, seven percent, six percent and five percent plan. They can't take their mind off of that higher price point and they may settle somewhere in the middle at seven or six. You'd be shocked how many people actually will gravitate towards a, a higher uh, cost. It's what I did when I first went online for the Jordan. It's like I saw the Kyrie's on there, and it's like they're both just shoes. All it is is working out and, and going to the basket, you know, to the court. But I'm like, ah, oh, those Jordans are cool. It's only 220 bucks. Screw it. I'll spend it. Of course, they they just didn't fit my feet right. Yeah, no, but, we've we've but, established that. Yeah, but you know, I, I gravitate towards towards that higher price. And it, and if listen. If everything was the same, then every shoe would cost the same. Every car would cost the same, right? It would just – everything's not the same. Okay. I would also uh, argue you get what you pay for. Oh, 100%. And, and that's why these flat fee models have historically failed. You don't have anybody that has great market share in the country on the, on these flat – like I'll, do, I'll list your house for 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks. It, it hasn't worked yet because okay. the players – backing up that offer haven't been good enough to win. Mm -hmm. I, I, we, we had a situation with a Redfin agent where we had a, had a listing that came on and another agent in my office interviewed for the, for the listing of this buyer's home. And they jammed him on the commission, said, oh, Redfin will do it for less. We calculated the dollars. It was $3,700 less is what they made. And then for no reason, they come in for a listing that was on the market for 15 days and offered well above the asking price with no other offers, didn't even call our office. So the Redfin agent actually cost them money because the seller would have accepted the ask. And I think that's a great example of you're counting your pennies and you're losing dollars. And, and that's what happens a lot of times with these things. You're a brilliant man, Tom Tool. What a segue. Uh, topic number two, half of Redfin homes, uh, half of Redfin home offers, I'm sorry, now face no competing bids, new report says. So in the month of June, just under 50% of home offers written by its agents face competition on a seasonally adjusted basis, the lowest rate in over two years. This is according to Redfin. I don't know if they only had 10 deals in June and, and we're talking about, you know, five, but 
Uh, Jason, <laughs> you, your thoughts? Are you seeing less competition? Yeah, yeah. In, in a think, great market like San Diego. Yeah, I think two and our, our third topic. I'm not going to step on the lead, but our, our second and third topic are kind of together in a sense that it's it's a yeah. signal that that the housing market's starting to slow down a tad. You know, and it's not necessarily, I think it, we haven't, we're a lagging industry. So we're six months probably behind everything else. So maybe we haven't seen the prices because I think topic three, it talks about how the price is still going up. But I think what we're going to see is that starts to adjust over the next couple months. And I'm definitely like anecdotally seeing it here in San Diego where, you know, for the last two years, if you listed a property, you had 20 offers on the first weekend and now it might make it to, to the second week, you know? Um, so it, it's kind of interesting because we have all these buyers for the last two years that are like, I hate the competition. This is too crazy. I'm going to wait. And then now that there's no competition, they're like, well, why is there no competition? Maybe I should wait. Interest rates are up and you know, the market's going to crash. And so the buyers who are already going to wait are still waiting. And then the buyers who wanted to jump in are, are now jumping in, but it's absolutely it, slowing down. Just it's like the I, people who said they were going to buy Bitcoin at 20,000 when it was at 60,000. And now that it's at 20,000, they're thinking, well, now it's just going to go lower. Why would I buy it at 20,000? Why is it at 20,000? And by the way, great execution on using the word anecdotally. It's very hard to say, and you've executed perfectly twice. So congratulations there. Yeah. I'm never going to, I'm never going to try that word, by the way, Tom, buyers get spooked (laughs) about everything. Are they, you know, to, to Eric's great analogy there, they're always looking for a better, deal are you seeing less competition same competition yeah for for sure i mean you're not just listing the home and it sells we're seeing price adjustments i mean unheard of right for the past 24 months we're seeing less than asking price offers get accepted on homes that would have had them three four months ago and we've also seen that there's some people that have dropped out of the market entirely because they were only looking because rates were so low and it was kind of they didn't really understand what was going on in the market they just thought oh well money's cheap i'm going to buy a home and they really weren't that motivated to transact in the first place. And that's what happens when rates come down to a really low level. I, this is really similar to when they had that first time buyer stimulus plan that Obama rolled out. And all these people kind of came out of the woodwork and said, hey, I want some of that government money. And then some of them just weren't that motivated. And they were only looking because they saw the opportunity to lock in a lower rate or in that case, get a, get a tax credit. So I, we're seeing the same thing here. And to me, I see opportunity for real estate agents. I mean, if, if you're able to navigate this market and ask these questions and get people to understand what's happening economically at a simple level, then you're going to be able to take market share. And th- there's a real land grab that's going on right now because you, know, you were joking around about Redfin. There's 648,000 agents in the country that haven't sold a home yet this year. And that's a stat that Tom Ferry dropped at the Gathering of Eagles a couple of weeks ago. That's over a third of the agents, right? <laughs> the I mean, gathering of eagles. What the <laughs> Wait, is that a real is thing? That? It is. is that? It's the, the uh, real, real trends conference. Real trends and, and housing wire own the gathering <laughs> of the eagles. It's like the T three sixty summit. It, it is a CEO invite um, type <laughs> of a, a summit. Crazy, this man. has some Bilderberg kind of vibes yeah, to it. The here. Gathering of eagles. <laughs> What's Jeez. going on? For those of you that don't know, Eric, that is yeah. that is a annual. CEO level conference. Well, I am a CEO of the biggest media company in real estate, co-CEO, chief Byron, of content. So I'll be invited. Byron I'll be an eagle. Yeah, yeah, he did. Correct. Yeah. So I'll be uh, an eagle next year, hopefully. Well, I had the biggest eagle at T360 just completely uh, walk through me like I was a cloud. Glenn, Glenn I saw Sanford. It I, I was going to say, was that Glenn or was it Rich Barton? Who no, was it? was Glenn. He just, you know, treated me like I was walking air out there what what an what an eagle all right i i would uh 
I would say on the flip side here as agents, these buyers that now when you're told, hey, we're in a competing offer to the point of this this Redfin study here or the Redfin data from June. Hey, we're, we're in a competing offer situation. Well, a competing offer situation could mean one competing offer. That's been hanging around, by the way, for two weeks. Maybe they made an offer that they just haven't fully declined and it's a bad offer and it's just sitting there. And maybe that buyer, if they offer two weeks ago, like I, I have an offer on a property right now. I'm like, just keep it active. It, it, it is a standing cash offer. Uh, you can use it to your leverage if you want, but I think this is a great offer. Come back to me in two weeks when you don't have anything better. And so if, if that agent's out there using this saying, we're, we're in a multiple offer situation, as the buyer know that multiple offer situations, competing offers right now is not what it was three months ago. You're not up against 13 and the, and the home's going to go off the market potentially tomorrow. I think that that's why we're seeing um, prices still not drop completely yet is because they're still going from 20 offers to two or three offers. That's still multiple offers. So it keeps the price right at listing or, you know, just about. And so it's a situation where it's coming down. We're not quite down, down yet, though. Yeah. And so we'll move into topic number three because that fits nicely. And these seg I mean, Tom and Jason with these segue like tee ups, these assists. I am. Uh, these guys are John Stockton. I'm Carl Malone over here. I'm going to I'm going to take it home with this home. <laughs> Eric, Eric hated the Carl Malone analogy. There. <laughs> no, I liked it. I, I did have one thing to say about Redfin, but I don't want to ruin the transition. I had little anecdote prepared. Well, it's too late now. We already it is too late. Go just back. go ahead, Byron. I just home that. sales fall for fifth the fifth month as median prices hit a record high. So I, I'm, I'm curious in Philly and in San Diego, if you're seeing the same thing, I looked on the Connecticut MLS. Um, I have not looked, I can look on the Florida MLS. I, I should look at this number, but anyways, in June pending home sales for the month, were down over 30% from June a year ago. Right. And so despite that, we're still seeing record in our MLS, and this is national number here, record median sale prices. So sale of existing homes ticked down 5.4%. Uh, so this is closings, not pendings, between May and June, falling 14.2% from a year ago. This is nationally, as median prices rose to $416,000, according to National Association of Realtors. Jason, are you seeing a similar trend in San Diego where despite there being less sales, there's uh, uh, an increase or a record-setting price pace. No, so so we were up to uh, up till this month. So in June, uh, we had our first month where the average price point actually came down, and so that's why I was saying like I feel like with you know it, uh, the interest rate jump was in March, right? Or it was like March, April, something like that. And so March, April, May, June, I think you started seeing instead of twenty offers, there were ten, and then five, and then three, and you just need two to still keep your price. But we finally, this month in June or last month, the numbers for last month, saw an average price reduction for the first time. Now, now that being said, we're still up 40% since the pandemic, right? So okay. a price reduction of 1%, it's still pretty high. But that being said, this was the first month. So if this was the, the curve, I would say we're right about here. Now, but, but for the year, you've still seen price appreciation. Now, now with this one month of of a 1% decline, we're starting to see that price de de appreciation stabilize. And, and potentially, if you see more months, it could it could be flat for the Correct. year. Or, or do you think that's, that's think what I mean? Be... So like June was still above January. Yes. So like home home equity is still up for the year, but it was lower than May. 
And so that's for the first time we're starting to see it tick downward. And I think judging by what I've been seeing anecdotally, but then you see there's another article here about like uh, home uh, home mortgage applications are down for like the sixth straight month too, right? That's a leading indicator versus a, yes. a, a rear view a rear view mirror. I can say anecdotally, but I can't say rear view mirror. Um, that is a that's a leading indicator. So as that continues to slow down. I think you're going to start to see prices because now instead of having two offers, you're going to go two weeks without an offer, right? And then you're going to start to see listings have to adjust a little bit. Bobby, go back to the KCM chart. And this is a national look. So Jason's obviously talking about San Diego, which and San Diego's a high price you know, market in the country. But looking more at you know, markets that are closer to the median price points across the country, you're still seeing national home price gains that are continuing to exceed 20%. This is month over month. Now, we don't have June on here. Maybe June's going to you know, have some type of drastic decline. Tom, do, do you believe that in median markets nationally across the country, we're going to continue to see double-digit gains? Are we going to continue to see price appreciation at all? Or do you expect home values to actually drop? So I know what's happening in our market, which is different than, than San Diego, because we're, we're a meat and potatoes market. If you look at the, the home price index in the country, Philadelphia is like 101.1 if 100 is the average, right? So we're kind of right there. We've seen double-digit appreciation since June in the suburbs. In the city of Philadelphia, it's only been about a 5% increase in the median sale price. And, and I think that's happening in a lot of other markets where the more urban versus suburban markets are changing a little bit. Um, in terms of the home sale, we've definitely seen home sales decrease uh, anywhere from like 8 to 15% year over year, depending on what county you're in. So what I know, I, I look back at history a lot, and especially like 2008, right? And the most volatile markets were California, Nevada, Arizona, Florida, and Ohio. And we, were, we didn't really get hit as hard here in our marketplace. And I would anticipate we're going to see similar trends because, you know, in San Diego, I mean, the prices go up pretty quickly. They go up a lot faster. Here, it's a little more of a, a slower increase. Still incredible, just a different market because it's more your like meat and potatoes market. So it's going to depend on, on where you're located. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in like the your, your lunch pail sort of markets like we are where you're closer to the median sale price. You're not going to see those same dips that you do maybe in California. What's a meat and potatoes market? It's what blue collar people. people like. It's it's what yeah ninety five percent of the country is living living in one of those not not in yeah. the uh, fantasy land that is San Diego. Well, in my in my kale smoothie market. We, uh, <laughs> so what was your so like you're right I, I hear what you're saying because we actually we, we saw an, an equity growth of like twenty plus percent last year. You know what I mean? And that's a steep steep hike. And so of course we're kind of maybe seeing a steeper drop back down, whereas you're a little bit more toward the mean, and you just kind of a little bit slower. Yeah. I just toured homes last week for a couple of days in Naples, new construction homes and the prices in these, these communities, this is another like, uh, you know, fantasy land market, like, like Jason's in San Diego, the prices are just continuing to skyrocket. I was asking all these, you know, builders and, and sales center people like, Hey, are you guys seeing less traffic right now? Nope. Nope. We've seen an increase in traffic in our new development. Now, South Florida is obviously one of the hottest markets still today in the country for a variety of reasons. But it's it's just insane to me that these $2 million price points are continuing to appreciate in certain markets. And, and here's why, because that $2 million house, these guys are building it for less than a million dollars, by the way. It's not costing them 
And, and the reason why, to Tom's point, in the, you know, the blue collar markets, the the what did you say, meat, meat potatoes, potatoes, the Kyrie, what, the Kyrie yeah. Irving markets, like Tom's <laughs> yeah. yeah. you have the Air Jordans market. No, the, the, the Air Bro- Jordans didn't the, fit. The Brian Scalabrini markets, <laughs> you know, th- these kind of markets, it, you can't build a house for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, and make a real margin yeah. with your labor, and, and so to see those prices drop substantially would be shocking to me despite less sales which we are clearly seeing across the board in every market there are less sales happening you know because of all the reasons that we know about it's another i mean so the two million dollar price point right that those buyers are a lot less rate sensitive than than a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar buyer is you know first time home buyers and whatnot you know because they're buying cash they're or, or heavily cash and so they're not they don't care as much about a jump from three to six percent whereas the first time home buyer a jump from three to six percent can take them from nine hundred to seven hundred, and and take them out of the house that they wanted. So it's it's a little Great bit more. Point. If this uh, was PTI, your numbers would be flashing up right now, all over the all over yeah. the map. Bing, Absolutely. Bing, yeah. And and by the way, those two that two million dollar buyer, that one million dollar buyer, you know, do they have to buy? They probably already own their house, so they can be a little bit more patient. They're not like desperate to get out of a, a rental, be paying somebody else's you know, mortgage necessarily. Some some people may be, but I think that's a smaller percentage of the buyer pool. Yeah. I've always said that the everybody needs a house, but nobody needs a $7 million house, right? So that buyer is sometimes a little bit more picky because they don't necessarily, at that point, they're just buying for whatever peace of mind to stunt on someone, right? It's like, you don't, everybody needs a house, but no one needs a $7 million house. So someone who doesn't need to buy um, at the time can can sit on it a little bit longer too. Well, you know, sometimes when my two girls are screaming, I start to say, I need a $7 million house, Jason. I need one with wings and, you know, soundproof rooms and, and all of that. But well, I, go to go to Philadelphia. It sounds like you can get it a little bit more affordable. There. Could, there, there are no $7 million houses. City. No? There's no $7 million house. That's the highest sale price ever in the suburbs. It was like five years ago. And that was the only one that sold for $7 million. So, yeah, you can come here. You can get a $2 million house, Byron. It'll feel like a $7 million house. They get a two yeah, million dollar house like Philadelphia. Like, a two million dollar house like Tom Tool. He is he is living at the top of the Philadelphia market. <laughs> I, I don't have one of those. That'd be nice. All right. Final topic. How do we extend the life of our post? If you're creating content on TikTok or Instagram right now, you're like, man, I, I've got 24 hours to make something of this. I better pay attention to the comments. I better pay attention to the DMs after I post it because after that, this thing is shot. So, Eric, how do we actually extend the lifetime of these, the life cycle of these posts? Yeah, Jason Pantana, Tom Ferry coach, put out a brilliant video three days ago discussing this. If you want to play it real quick, Bobby, then I'll elaborate. Facebook, Instagram, or wherever essentially has the lifespan of a fruit fly. Videos, images, all of them. They circulate through the feeds in a day or two and then pretty much keel over into content oblivion. It's a grind. All right. So yeah, he's saying SEO is social media afterlife. But to to drive home his point and your point, Brian, when you post something, you got like an hour, two hours to hit that like initial. Bobby, turn turn the video off. I don't know if you guys could still hear that. No, right, no. There we go. All right. All right. So I when could you, I could hear it in my ears. Go ahead. When you post something, you have like one hours, one hour, two hours, and that like initial algorithm kick where everybody sees it, and then after twenty four hours, forty eight hours, nobody sees that post again. So he's saying the way to extend it is to actually embed your social media posts, your Facebook, 
your TikTok posts, your Instagram in actual blog posts, further elaborating on what you said in the Instagram post. And this is great for people that are doing market updates like Tom and Jason or people that are doing kind of motivational stuff that want to like further drive home their point. So this can really help if you're Googling, you know, what's going on in the Philadelphia market. Tom has a blog that says that and then he embeds his Instagram post in that. That Instagram post is going to keep going. And then it also gives you content for these blog posts. A lot of agents have no idea what to even post on blogs. They don't know what to write. So they could basically just transcribe exactly what they said in their caption or in their video and put it into a blog post. So it's a yeah. genius tactic by Pantana. He said he's getting something with tens of thousands of views through Google, but still driving it to the same Instagram post because he embedded it. Yeah, 100% right on. And just go on to you know, brokeagentmedia.com, go on to BAM and look at the style in which we're releasing these blogs. It's exactly what you should be doing on your local blog. I, I, I think I gave the example, maybe even on the walkthrough a couple of weeks ago about all of the tax content for you know our local team in Connecticut that we've put out there. We're ranking in the top five search of Google for real estate taxes. And if we had a video attached to those, which we don't, which it's already on the to-do list. That video, to your point, is going to continually go up in views when you have it embedded BAM style. Look at the BAM blogs. That's how to do it. Yeah. Also, he said um, in our refer network, Jason, so we interviewed Jason Pantana. This is a private mastermind slash referral network that everybody should check out. We'll put a link down below. He said that the best posts to embed are actually Facebook posts because those will play directly in the blog. So if you embed an Instagram you'll have to click off the blog and play the Instagram post in a different tab. So that's a little tip there also from Pantana. And then I just want to say like, we made a blog post about Pantana's post about making blog posts. Like that's how effective this strategy is. And that blog post is getting a ton of traffic and then also giving his Instagram post a ton of traffic. Eric, one other tip there is make sure that if you do embed, say the Instagram video that you have the setting on the back end of your blog to when they do click it, it creates another tab. It doesn't take over the blog because now yep. they're in Instagram, they're off your blog, but you want that blog tab to still live so they can go back to your website and, yeah. and check stuff out. And one, one more point too, um, there was a recent statistic, I think it was HubSpot that said now millennials and Gen Z are searching more on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, through social media, like more than 50% than they are on actual Google or YouTube. So oh. Instagram is becoming very SEO um, heavy, I guess, in the sense that you should make your captions have a ton of keywords that people are searching. So, you know, you should always have this in your profile too, like Jason, you know, San Diego real estate agent, Compass, whatever. Um, in the actual captions, you could have a ton of stuff about that property and about what you're saying that are like keywords that people could search for. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. J uh, Jason, uh, as we wrap up here, you, you want to just uh, let everybody know who, what is refer and who's come on as a guest speaker in these private masterminds. I know Tom Ferry is going to be on like today, right? Next, uh, August Next 2nd. Week. Uh, yeah, next, yeah, August second. All right, so August second. Who else has got, has um, so, joined the so mastermind? Jason Pantana just came on. He was our fourth uh, speaker session. So Refer is a nationwide referral network co-founded by Eric and myself. Uh, and basically, we have one agent per city. Uh, and so, oops, I hit my mic there. One agent per city joins in, and we pass referrals along each other. But then we also built out a mastermind component to it. Um, so we bring in guest speakers, we do giveaways, things like that. Always having coaching tips, all that type of jazz. 
And so, yeah, our last, uh, I guess it was last week, we had Jason Pantana on, did fantastic. I loved his 32nd. Eric co-moderated that one with me. And then uh, August 2nd is Tom Ferry, um, and that'll be co-moderated with Katie Day. Um, shout out to Katie. And so we're going to have a 30-minute interview Q&A session with Tom Ferry. But then we've also had Chris Smith um, on there as well and uh, did a giveaway of his conversion code book, um, which I think he's been on this with you guys uh, as well on the walkthrough. And then so we have a, a bigger name guest speaker every month, and then we have more of like a niche guest speaker too. So we've had like a branding consultant on. In August, we have like a geographic farming uh, person to come talk about like handwritten letters versus postcards, right? Something very kind of niche for the agents. Yeah. And so, uh, and then September, uh, we have Spencer Raskoff coming in. So it's like big, small, big, small, but we have, you know, guest speakers coming in all the time. Yeah. Check out Refer, the links below. Also check out the KCM content below. You can try KCM for free. Try KCM.com forward slash BAM. You know, get, get some of these, uh, you know, two done or, or branded and done for you content that KCM is building. And I'd be like, Jason's talking about in the you know prior segment where he's talking about, Hey, San Diego actually did decline. You know, I might be showing, you know, my clients, here's the national numbers, but here's ours, right. And show them side by side graph, the one from your MLS, the one from KCM. So they get the full entire picture of what's going on in their market. Tom tool, we'll let you go back to your $2 million palatial estate in philly get back to your nightclub you look like you're in the bathroom right now eric i'll send you the link to those Kyrie irvings and we'll see you guys all here next week on the walkthrough